So it's Time Change Sunday. I hope you know which service you're at. Um, it's kind of hard to figure out sometimes, but you know, I, I, I got to tell you, there, and Winwell had not had a discussion about this. There's a play, there, there's an area of Indiana that when daylight savings time came in, you know, they refused to do that for a while, and they weren't going to change time because they were worried that it was going to confuse the cows. <laughs> I thought I, I don't think the cows care, but 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 you know. I have this cat in my house, and, and he's been getting me up for eons now, about 5 a.m. in the morning. He gets me up, and I feed him and let him out, and then I kind of nap for a little while until it's time to really get up and, and all. And I'm thinking this morning, right, time change? I'm going to sleep into 6. No, he's up at 5 a.m. <laughs> when did the cat learn to tell time? It's just not fair. It's just not okay. Um, <sighs> So we're starting this series we're going to be doing through Lent called Journey to Hope, and it's, it's basically based off of the cantata uh, that you heard the piece from this morning uh, that they're starting to sing into, the choirs can sing in, and they're going to present that on Palm Sunday. Uh, and, and, and what that cantata is built around are uh, the, the spirituals of our American landscape, and so you're going to hear different kinds of pieces of music coming together. And you heard this morning, you heard uh, two pieces kind of mingled. One is Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. That was written in uh, 1759 by Joseph Hart. It's an evangelical hymn. It, it, it's a call to accept Christ and was used uh, in, in a lot of the revivals as a, the hymn that was at the end of the service to call people forth to accept Christ and to be baptized. And so, um, a very traditional uh, kind of a melody uh, to that hymn. Uh, with that also, you heard a little bit of the chorus of Wade in the Water, uh, which was an African-American spiritual in our culture. And that uh, actually has to do uh, with uh, uh, the, the water of the pools of Siloam and Bethesda in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, both of those pools have underground sources, and, and the tradition or the custom in Jerusalem was uh, people who had illnesses were, were taken down by those pools, and when the, the water from the spring would, would cause the surface of the water there to be troubled, uh, people felt that that was a sign that the angel of God was present, and whoever could be placed first into the water at that time would receive healing. So that's what it is, uh, wade in the water, the Lord's going to trouble the water. That's, that's what that reference is. And if you actually uh, look at all the words of the hymn, you also hear references to uh, crossing the Red Sea and crossing the Jordan, the, the idea of coming out of uh, slavery and into freedom. Uh, and so that was a, a, a song that was sung in the, uh, the uh, slave culture of early America. It was a, a song of hope uh, that one day God was going to make us well and one day God was going to set them free and, and that they would not be in that place forever. And so the, both of these hymns carry a, a strong message of hope. And um, I'm, I'm going to kind of mingle some of the scripture references around this morning a little bit with that. And it is Palm uh, Time Change Sunday, so hopefully it will all stay together in one piece. Uh, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks as the sun is beginning to burn through uh, this morning. We're beginning to see the light. Uh, and we ask that you come and be in the midst of us in your spirit and enlighten us and give us life and energy. May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the, the first passage we're going to look at comes out of Matthew. It's very familiar. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I'm just going to remind you that word repent, metanoia, means to not just to say I'm sorry, but to turn 180 degrees, to turn back to God. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the language in the original uh, there says the kingdom of heaven has come near. It means it's, it's actually, it implies that it's close enough that you can reach out your hand and touch it. 
Uh, This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, when Isaiah penned those words, what he was referring to uh, was in in Isaiah's, that age uh, when Isaiah was writing, when when a king would send an army out, you know, it would be be a large entourage because the army would have to travel and they'd have to take animals for food and servants and so forth. So it it would be a large body of people crossing and uh, in order to make that more rapid or more easy, uh, at the very front of that body would be a vanguard of people who would smooth out the roadway for them. They'd remove large rocks and fill in holes and stuff so that as they went, uh, the rest of the army could travel safely and without injury. So, so Isaiah takes that then and says, okay, instead of this time it being preparing this, this path you know, through the, the wilderness for the armies, this is preparing for uh, God to come and bring his kingdom. So he does that and applies that to John out there on the, on the uh, Jordan River. And uh, Matthew tells us, Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him in all the region along the Jordan. Now, I want you to, to think about this. Why were they going out there? I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest. You know, the, the Jordan, uh, is, it, you know, it's not like it's the, you know, uh, resort spa of the Middle East. Uh, you know, those of you who've been out to the HEB camp, you know how beautiful the river and everything is. That, this is, that's not this. Uh, this is not, I mean, you know, this is kind of scuzzy, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just, you know, not real appealing. And do you really want to get in that water? Let's be honest, right? And, and, and John's out there, he's, he's dressed in a, in, a, in a skin, you know, he's got a leather belt, he's eating stuff he gathers up from around the, the, the area and, and all this, and uh, you know, not, not really an appealing kind of character. And, and they're coming out there so they can hear him tell them to repent. Now, now, let's be honest, have you tried that with anybody you know? You gone to any of your friends and said, you know what, you need to repent. Have you said that to any of your friends? And how'd it go for you? You know, I've learned that my friends don't receive that well. You know, uh, they, it, they kind of gets a negative reaction. And so why are they going out there? I mean, why are these large crowds of people from Jerusalem and all in Judea? I mean, we're talking a large group of people going out to this place on this river to see this guy tell them they need to repent. Unless there is something in them that recognizes the truth that they need to repent. Unless there's something in them that recognizes that there's something lacking within them. Unless there is something in them that recognizes that there is an emptiness in their lives, that there's a lack of purpose and meaning. And as we begin the Lenten season, do we, do we need to kind of look at ourselves and wonder if maybe we're not called to go out to the river too. That maybe there's an emptiness within us that we long to have filled. I'll switch stories for a minute. And we're going to go to the store connected with Wade in the Water. Jerusalem, uh, in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool called in Hebrew Bethsasta. Now, we, we say Bethesda in English which has five porticos. And in these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Because remember, when the water was troubled, it was time for a healing. One man who was there had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, 
Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Do you want to be made well? That's an interesting question, isn't it? This is what it looks like now if you go there and visit. Uh, there's not much water in the bottom, but you can see the, how the, the thing is structured. You can see one of the porticos uh, in this picture. And uh, if you go there with Wynn and Sherry next summer, you can actually, you'll uh, actually go to this place and visit it. Um, so, so he's been there for 38 years, and Jesus says, do you want to be, way, do want to be made well? That's, that's an interesting question. We, we kind of assume that people want to be made well, right? You know, if you go and you have a knee replacement done, which is kind of a gnarly piece of surgery, and it's not real fun, and it's pretty painful, and you get that, you go and do it because your knee hurts so bad that you can't get around it, and you want to be well, right? And we kind of assume that. But is that really true? I mean, he's been there 38 years. I mean, it's not, 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 not three hours, or not a couple of days, or a couple of months. He's been there 38 years. And Jesus comes down and looks at him and said, this guy's been down here for 38 years. And he says, do you want to be made well? Really? Do you? I mean, I'm not always convinced that we really do want to be made well, do we? You know, sometimes we're pretty comfortable with our illness. I mean, we want to be made to feel good, but we don't necessarily want to be made well. You know, because... Think about it, if, if this guy suddenly is made well, his whole life changes, doesn't it? You know, he's, for 38 years, he's been down here laying by the pool every day, and people have been there, and he's gotten sympathy, and he's gotten support every day. But if he gets made well, what, what, what then? What does he do then? His whole life changes. Everything that he's known for 38 years goes away, and suddenly life's different. And is it possible sometimes we're... we're more willing to accept the illness we know than the wholeness that we don't. And do you hear the man's answer when Jesus says, do you want to be made well? He doesn't say, oh, yes. He says, you know, I've been coming, I've been here every day for 38 years and, and no one ever helps me get in the pool and I never get there first. He doesn't say yes. He, 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 he gives the excuse for why he's not gotten in the water. You know, and it reminds me of, of, of folks that I, I've known and that I go and I, I talk to and, and, and they say, you know, I, I don't have a drinking problem, I just need another drink. No, I don't have a drug problem, I just need another hit. I don't have a problem with consumerism and stuff, I just need a bigger storage unit. Don't have a problem with money, I just need to make more of it, right? I don't want to be made well. I just want you to feed my illness and make me feel good about it. And now I want to throw one other little piece with this. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's another story about a man who is paralyzed from birth. And he has four friends. Jesus is preaching in a house one day. There's a great crowd around. So these four friends carry him up on the roof and they tear a hole open in the roof. And they lower him down into the presence of Christ. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. To which the Pharisees all respond, well, pff, who do you think you are? Only God can forgive sins. Yeah, exactly, right? Jesus is claiming it right there. But they don't like that. So he says, but, but so that you can believe, take up your mat and walk. And the man 
takes up his mat and he's healed. Man, that's an awesome story. He's got four friends who can have faith for him when he doesn't have faith and who can get him there. But, but the guy here by the pool of Bethesda, he doesn't have those friends, does he? No one's there with him. No one's there to help him get to the pool. You know, sometimes when I read this story, I think that what we're supposed to hear is that the, the greater dis-ease is that he has no one. And he's alone. And he's isolated. And the real sickness isn't so much his body, but his soul. And, and sometimes I think that's who we are. Do you want to be made well? Going back to the Jordan. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, you know, Jesus, you know, as the son of God doesn't need to have his sins forgiven, but, but, but as the forerunner of our faith, he needs to show us what it means to enter into covenant with God. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. How often when you go to Jesus, do you go to tell Jesus, you're the beloved? And how often do you go to Jesus saying, I need something from you, or I need you to tell me that I'm the beloved. Well, when, when, when I'm, I'm having those times, like, you know, like two or three in the morning, when I'm awake praying in the middle of the night and I'm wrestling with things, you know, I'm, those times usually are times I'm going, okay, God, I need, I need you to give me a vision about this. I need you to give me purpose about this. I need to understand this. I need you to lift me up. I'm asking things of God. But the times when I've been able to, you know, kind of step out of those places uh, and, and get away for a while and, and actually just be in the presence of God for a couple of days and actually spend time just saying, you know, how much I love you, God, and pouring my love out on God, those are the times that I find God pours his love out most on me. That is when we, when we go into the presence of God and we proclaim Christ the beloved, the chosen one of God. Those are the times that God pours out love and blessing on us in the richest ways. It's interesting. Sometimes we, 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 we tend to go and ask and ask and ask. But the truth is when we go in the presence of God and we, we affirm and we pour out love on God, sometimes just there in the presence of God, that's when the most powerful things happen. So Jesus says to the man at the pool of Bethesda, stand up, take your mat and walk. And at once the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Jeez, I wish I'd been there. I, I would have loved to have seen, I mean, did this guy have, I mean, was his face full of joy? Was it full of surprise? Was he taken aback? I mean, how, how was he responding to this? We don't know. I mean, all of a sudden, 
Jesus had changed everything in his life. And was that something he received with joy or did it just scare him terribly? And you notice Jesus didn't say, okay, listen, I'm here now, so go and and get in the pool and you'll be made well. You know, sometimes Jesus did that with folks, right? He sent them to the temple to show themselves to the priest or he he made a a clay out of the ground with his spit and put it on people and things. I mean, he he used some of those kind of healing techniques of the time sometimes with people. But with this guy, he didn't do any of that. It's like the guy that got a little over through the roof, you know, just stand up, take your mat up and walk. I mean, just being in the presence of Jesus was all it took. Just being in the presence was all it took. So, uh, so last fall, uh, I'm at the New Room Conference, and we had a night when we had a, a service of, of, of Holy Spirit healing that we're in. There's 2,400 people in the room, incidentally. It's a big crowd. Uh, and, and we're in there, and Mike Pavlacci is the, the speaker that night. He's done this, amazing, done this amazing kind of sermon homily and all. And, and, and then he says, okay, so now we're going to take some time and, and see what the Holy Spirit would like to do here tonight. And when he says that, the guy over here in the praise band starts doing some you know, noodling kind of stuff on the keyboard. And he goes, no, no, no. He says, we don't need any of that Holy Spirit music. We're just going to sit here quiet and see if the Holy Spirit shows up and has something the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he says, and, and you know, if, if, if he doesn't have anything he wants to do tonight, that's fine. We'll just end early and go get an ice cream. I'm thinking, I like this guy. <laughs> and so he sits there for a while and quiet. And, and as he does that, people begin to get up and come down to be prayed over. And he begins to call some different people down to be prayed over. There's a woman sitting about three seats down from me in the pew. I've, I've talked to her and prayed with her before the service. She'd gotten a phone call just at 3 o'clock that afternoon to inform her that uh, a career path that she'd been pursuing for several years was, was not going to happen. And that door was closed. And she was just devastated. And so several of us had prayed with her. And we're sitting in the room. And as we're sitting there, Mike's up in the front. And he goes, there's a woman in that section back there. He points to where we're sitting. So she got a phone call at 3.12 this afternoon. And was informed that uh, uh, the door on her career path has been closed. And she's just devastated. Would you come down here and let us pray with you? And as she's coming down with a couple of her friends, another woman from over here is coming down with some of her friends. And they're talking to her. And he says to her friends, no, 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 no. You don't need to be trying to counsel her. He said, we're just going to pray her into the presence of God. Don't make this weird. (laughs) And I'm going, too late. I'm pretty freaked out here. You know what I mean? But he makes the point, it's not about you getting power to do anything. It's not about your ability to do anything. It's just about bringing people into the presence of God. Because when we come in the presence of God, the beloved, the chosen one, healing happens. Not not because of what we do, but because of God's love being poured out on us. And both of these stories kind of, kind of move to that place and remind us, you know, come you sinners poor and weak, you know, weary, uh, come ye thirsty, come ye heavy laden, uh, just, just come into the presence of God. There's a wonderful phrase in the, I think it's the third verse, right, Kurt, where it says, you know, if, if you're waiting to be fit and ready, <laughs> you're never going to go because that ain't going to happen. Just come. Just come. And let God... Pour out that love on you in that presence.
You know, 50 years ago, almost 50 years ago, some of my friends <laughs> lowered me through the roof into the presence of Christ. Uh, and, uh, and they had faith when I didn't. And, and, and they brought me into the presence of Christ, and I found healing in that moment. But you need to understand that the adversary doesn't give up that easy. And, and so every day since then, for 50 years, and especially in times of stress, uh, the adversary says, you know, did God really say he loved you? I don't think God loves you. I don't think that's true. Here, why don't you, why don't you have one of these apples? Take another hit, Right? And every day when, when that happens, I have to remember to go back like, like the writer of this hymn said. I have to remember that. I have to, I have to arise and go back into the presence of Jesus. Because, because when I go there, he embraces me in his arms. And in his love, there are 10,000 charms to heal the sickness of my soul. And I'll bet... <laughs> Whatever it is you wrestle with, whatever dis-ease is within your soul, the same is true for you. And will you, will you be willing to trust enough in God's love to rise up and go back to the beloved, the chosen one, Jesus, and know that he will embrace you and that in his love there are 10,000 charms to heal your soul. Let's pray. So, Father, here we are. We've been laying along the side of this pool of Bethesda, some of us for a few months, some of us for many years, some of us for decades. And we lay here in our illness because it's what we know. It's where we've been. It's how we define our lives. And the thought of all of that changing sometimes is terrifying. But also so exciting. So Father, call us out in love. Raise us up. Let us here stand up, take your mat so that we can rise up and we can come into your presence. Embrace us in your arms and then pour out upon us the 10,000 charms of your love that the sickness of our souls might be made whole. Amen. <laughs>